you know what the hardest part about trading Brian Burns would be for Scott Fitter and the Panthers? Having the confidence in yourself to pull it off. Pulling the trigger. Trusting you to get the value. Because everyone that, that we've, uh, not everyone, but a lot of the analysts and a lot of the insiders that talk about trades, and we're getting to the point on the calendar, we're 11 days away from the trade deadline, which is on Halloween at 4 o'clock, and, and you're going to start hearing the chatter. And the chatter with, you know, I think it's important to, to you know, uh, mention this. Like, as you'll hear from Dan Graziano, NFL insider for ESPN, in a second. It's really just all of the common sense telling us that Brian Burns should be traded. It's not necessarily that we've heard, uh, you know, so-and-so has offered this or a demand or anything like this. It's it's mostly just all of the common sense says Brian Burns should be traded. So now you have to figure out why the Panthers would or wouldn't pull the trigger. And, and I think it comes down to a, do you think you are good enough as an executive to make it work? But first, let's hear from Graz. Here's Dan Graziano on Unsportsmanlike, the morning show you hear every morning right here on 99.9. Outside of the Broncos, is there a name, not reporting it, just in your mind as a football uh, fan slash, of course, reporter, is there a name that you're looking at and saying, I wonder if this guy's going to get traded around Yeah, the well, I, Brian Burns from the Panthers, right? Because, like, they're Oof. winless, right? And, and he didn't get the contract he wanted this offseason. And, again, you set this up right. Like, I don't know that they're going to trade right. him. But, no. like, just in terms Curiosity. of looking at it objectively yeah. – if they aren't going to sign him long term, that feels like a guy you could get a lot for, right? Like a like a high end pass rusher in the prime of his career. That yes. everyone's looking for that yes. all the time. So if you're the Panthers and you don't think he's part of your future, then I wonder if if uh, if that's a guy that ends up and talk about a guy that could have an impact. Feels like a guy you could get a lot for. Could have an impact. It makes sense, right? All of the, the the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs leads you to a trade. So now Scott Fitterer, the GM of the Panthers, has to stand on his own ability and be confident. The hard part about trading Brian Burns is that you are not going to get the same value back in proven players, right? You, you're not going to get back a player that has – performed in the NFL for four years. You're not going to get a player back that has a double-digit sack season. You're not going to get a player back that, that is that proven. What you are going to get back is the opportunity to get more value back. But you have to go execute it. That's my question. What value player or what player are you going to find that value in? You're going to get picks. You're going to get picks. You're going to get two firsts. You're going to get a first and two seconds. You're going to get – you're going to get – picks and and here's the scary part you might mess them up yeah you have to stand on your ability as a gm to get back value but not proven and say i will be able to turn this into more value than brian burns right you're gonna get picks back you might mess them up you might hit big on those picks and get way more value or you might take those picks, package them together to bring in a player that may or may not be a better player than Brian Burns. Or you might take those picks, package them with some other players and some picks you already possess, send them out for a, a, a trade-up or a bigger stud player. I like GMs that you can almost never judge their trades because they get too convoluted and too complicated, right? You trade Brian Burns for two first-round picks. Let's just start there. So you're like, okay, once we make the picks, we'll look back and see if it was a good trade. 
But then when you want to go look back in the picks, it's like, oh, wait a second. You you traded one of those first-round picks and J.C. Horn and two second-round picks for Jalen Waddle. Okay. And then wow. you took then you took the other first-round pick and that you got from the Brian Burns trade, and you traded down to get a later first-round pick, but you also picked up a third. And and then you used that third to trade back up into the second round, and you got an edge rusher. And that edge rusher never becomes as good as Brian Burns, but you didn't have to because you also got this whatever, 40% of Jalen Waddle or whatever. The, it, it, it's, it, it becomes too comp. The trickle-down is too impossible. You know, I, I saw it was like two years ago. The uh, the the Orlando Magic finally made like the final pick in the Dwight Howard trade because they kept uh, you know they got whatever a couple first round picks and a couple players traded the player for more picks traded back in the picks traded back in the picks and it just kept accumulating until it was like ten years later the player was out of the league and and you were still getting picks that is what a GM has to do by the end the trade might be so jumbled that you can't judge the trade but as a gm there's one thing you have to know right you trade brian burns you get picks back you get value back you use some of that value on this some of that value on that you might make one of the picks you might not you might trade up you might trade back by the end if the team is a winner you're a great gm you won the trade if the team is a loser you're updating your resume, right? You have a, a very impressive stint running a, a, the front office of an NFL team. But at least you stood on your own abilities, right? There's, you know, two two paths diverged in a wooded area. One was safe. One was nicely lit and it was well-worn. The other is more dangerous, but you might get better views. And oh, by the way, safe isn't how you get out of the hole you're in. You could argue safe is what got you in the hole you're in. Right now, Brian Burns is the – we talked about this yesterday. There, uh, Bill Barnwell of ESPN, you can check out the article on ESPN.com, might be behind a paywall. Uh, but he listed every player in the NFL that he believed would bring back at least a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Or sorry, yeah, at least a first-round pick in a trade. Obviously, the, the pick in the NFL draft. Uh, the, the Panthers had three players. Bryce Young, if you trade Bryce Young away and you're the Panthers, I can't help you. Let's not even go down that path. Uh, J.C. Horn, who I would argue you can't trade right now because it would be selling low because he's coming off an injury or actually actively injured. And then there's Brian Burns. The only reason I think you don't trade Brian Burns is if you don't have enough confidence in yourself to take the return and execute it. Because right? there is an element. Anytime you trade, trade a proven player for draft picks and or young unproven players, there is an element of trading a cow for the magic beans. Right? There is an element of it might turn into nothing. Uh, one of my, my favorite stories of an NFL trade is the RG3 trade. Okay, RG3, uh, when he was the number two overall pick, Washington traded a whole bunch of picks to, I think it was the Rams because they had just drafted Bradford. I think it was the Rams. Um, and, and oh, my gosh, there were so many picks. There was Robinson, a tackle, Stacy, a, a running back. There was a linebacker, Ogletree maybe. There, there was just a ton of players. And a couple years later, maybe even just two or three years later, the two teams played each other, Washington and the Rams. And guess what the Rams did? Their captains 
were all like eight players that they had gotten in the trade. All eight players they used on the picks, and they sent them out there. And it was supposed to be this big flex, right? You got RG3. We got all of this. Look at our hall. Look at look at this, the, our mountain of riches of good players. None of them panned out. Not, not a one. And it's like, you know what? You It was a good trade. Right, You had your quarterback of the future. You thought you did. You weren't going to take him. You got a ton of value so they could trade up and trade uh, draft RG3. But you didn't execute on all those picks, so it looks like a bad trade. But guess what? A better GM, probably winning that trade leaps and bounds. So if you're Scott Fitterer, you have to stand up and say, I'm a good GM. Give me the picks. And if you, a fan, right, like you listeners right now, if a fan is saying he's not a good GM, don't let him do it, then then you got to get – like if that's how you're going to treat him, you got to move on from him, right? You you either believe in him and he has a job or you don't believe in him and he doesn't. The best way to put it, scared picks don't make no picks. <laughs> scared money don't make no money, there right? There it is. That's the best way to put it. So on this draft day, on this bye week, actively – actively look to trade Brian Burns. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group duke at florida state it's a big game huge 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 amount of of future value on the line in this one uh but first quick story about that exact thing the math that you have to do um i'm not sure everybody recognizes this a lot of midwestern states have eight-man football so when you have a school that has like 40 kids in it and you can't field 11 man uh, football, you play eight man. Uh, and and early in my career, I was I was uh, in Nebraska, right, getting all my reps in, paying my dues, and uh, middle of nowhere, Nebraska. And I was calling an eight man football game on the radio, right. So I'm the play by play guy. Oh, I'm familiar with these. And uh, it was the very first game I I had played. It was a um, little little uh, school called Anselmo Myrna. Two towns combined to have a high school of like 40 kids. Um, and the first kick, I'll never forget this because it was kind of embarrassing, right? I'm trying to establish myself as somebody that knows the area and everything. Uh, kick goes back to a, a kick returner by the name of Trent Geyser. I'll never forget it. Uh, he fields it on the one-yard line, takes it back to the house. This is the first play, new job, first week I'm there. I just moved there. Catches the ball on the one yard line, runs it back for a touchdown, and I'm giving the gusto. I'm I'm giving the 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 twenty, the ten touchdown. He went ninety nine yards. Count them ninety nine yards. Eight man football plays on an eighty yard field. <laughs> he went seventy nine yards, but I said ninety nine yards every syllable like four times. Well, that's on them for be- shortening the field. Be- I mean, it was obvious. It like cones in the middle of a real football field. But I was just, I was doing my like Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? A ninety-nine yard touchdown. Yes. Until my color commentator jumped in and was like, 
well, actually, Tim, I was like, uh, oh, no. Th- that can't be any worse than what I did when I threw my own cousin under the bus for a call that I had in his mm-hmm. eight-man football game. Keep in mind, my cousin, Dallas Hill, is about 5'8". He's one of those jackrabbits that you just hand the ball off in eight-man football, and next thing you know, zigzag gone. Okay. He got uh, body slammed by a linebacker, and right. on my call, I said, Dallas Hill just got taken to Brock Lesnar's suplex city. Did, did like any aunts and uncles have anything to say say about that? Uh, it made Thanksgiving dinner a little <laughs> awkward, but, you know, uh, sorry, funny. Dallas. Hey, don't get body slammed. Uh, all right, let's talk Duke and, and Florida State. Right, Duke, Hopefully Duke won't get body slammed hopefully by Duke, FSU. Hopefully neither team gets body slammed. I, I want this one to be a good game. Obviously, you know, triangle bias, I want Duke to win, but I want it to be a good game. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, but I'm going to bring it up again. This game and the pregame lead-up, right, which is already kind of bubbling, right? Everybody's getting excited. It's an ACC game that whoever wins has the inside track to the ACC championship. 7.30 ABC. 7.30 ABC, which Duke has to be getting used to at this point. Uh, that's a good thing for uh, my Yoko. Uh, but if, if you look at the way tiebreakers break down, right, uh, if Florida State wins this, they're in really good shape. Right, because they're obviously undefeated. They're a top-ranked team. They'll win. They'll own the tiebreaker over Duke if necessary. There's, there's all those sorts of things. Um, if they lose to Duke, then Duke pretty much guarantees themselves if they win out or even have uh, one loss in conference, they'll be in the ACC championship game because they'll hold the tiebreaker over Florida State. So there's a lot going on here, and the the hype. Right, and I actually I just looked up. I don't even know what channel it's on. Just looked up one of the televisions we have here in the studio, and it, as it was going to commercial, it showed the Duke Florida State logos. So the hype is building. Right, everybody's getting ready to to start prepping for this one. They are going to be talking so much, so incredibly much, about Riley Leonard's ankle, about Riley Leonard's ability, about the highlights Riley Leonard has, about Jordan Travis, the quarterback for Florida State, about his efficiency, about how he uh, was there for the lean years with Florida State, and he gave this dramatic speech after their season in 2021, and since then they've been rising, and how uh, the transfers have come in, specifically Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, the wide receivers, and uh, they have a running back that's a transfer from, I believe, Oregon. They have have all of the the skill position guys they're going to talk about, and they're going to be playing that highlight we played coming out of break. The 84-yard or 83-yard touchdown run. It's a game about defense. It is. Right? The the flash and the pop and the, the fantasy football positions are going to be fun. This is the best and the second-best defense in the ACC up against each other. Florida State's the number one offense. They haven't faced the number one defense, and it's not by a small margin. It's almost, I, I'm, we'll call it nine. Okay, so so the Duke defense allows 9.8 points per game. Florida State is second best in the league at 18.3. We'll call that nine points better. They are two scores better than everyone else in the ACC as far as keeping their opponents from scoring points. Two scores. That's crazy. So Florida State comes in with this high-flying offense. The, the task is going to be, can you do it against a defense like Duke's? Mike Elko... That guy's been been a scheming genius. We did our, our cons and cons earlier this week. Confidence and concerns. Okay, We do it uh, every Wednesday here, here on The Drive. Uh, we go through the four teams in the ACC from the state of North Carolina. Uh, and we, we mention one thing we are confident in and one thing we are concerned about. My confidence for Duke was Mike Elko, the schemer. 
right? Because every game you watch Duke, it seems like there's a different position group on defense playing elite level football. It's like, oh, you watch the Clemson game. You're like, geez, the wide receivers had absolutely no room. You watch the Notre Dame game and you're like, Notre Dame has, you know, multiple first rounders on their offensive line, but the Duke defensive front didn't give an inch. You watch each game and you're like a different the linebackers are, are highlighted in this one. The the safeties, the corners. That's scheme, right? That's the coach having everybody ready, and whichever group is tested is going to look the best that day. So if you're looking at Florida State, they do a little bit of everything. So Duke's defense is like, yeah, we do that too. And then on the other side, you need Riley Leonard. You know, it's about Riley Leonard. It's about the health of his ankle. It's about Riley Leonard. But it's also about Florida State's defense is really good. And and you have to find some way to to find the the gap in their in their all around ability. You want to know something that's crazy? Jared Verse. We talked with Jared Verse at ACC kickoff. Big dude. We talked with him uh, about his path to Florida State. This is this guy that's going to be, you know, depending on which big board you're looking at, he is maybe a top three pick in the NFL draft, definitely a first rounder, right, depending on where you look. Could be the first edge rusher off the board. Started his career at Albany. Do you know why? Because he said he was 200 pounds coming out of high school. I don't know what he's tipping the scales at right now, but I know when I stood up and shook his hand at ACC kickoff, he was 265. My height, I'm about 6'4". Runs like a deer. Okay, so is the story about Riley Leonard and his and his ankle, or is the story about can they keep somebody like Jared Verse from getting in and living in the backfield, right? it's it, To me, this is a defensive battle. I haven't seen the numbers yet. I haven't decided what I'm going to be doing here. But I would not be surprised if I really like the under. You'll get them later. Ooh, a little tease. Stick around to end of the show. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if I like the under. I said this yesterday, key to the game, tempo. If I'm Duke's offense, I need to get into a a brawl with, with Florida State's defense for the simple fact of giving my defense. Like, if I'm Duke's offense, I want to give Duke's defense – Plenty of time to catch your breath because because uh, Florida State's offense is going to make you run around. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. That's a great point. I think really what this game comes down to for me is Duke can win this game if they allow themselves to win this game. What I mean mm. by that is – They have to get out of their own way. The secret. They have to you know manifest get, You know what you're getting with Florida State, with Jordan Travis and that defense and also the high-power offense. Mike Elka always talks about he knows – or his team knows what they have in that locker room. And for me, I, I go back to the Notre Dame game. they got to clean up the special teams because I mm-hmm. feel like in a game like this, you're going to have to rely on some big field goals. And, and, also, and, and field position in the punting game. That too. And then also for Duke, just like in the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game, you can't give up big plays. Notre Dame, in that Notre Dame game, Duke really gave up two big plays, but it was the fake punt mm-hmm. that led to Notre Dame's first touchdown. And then, of course, the Sam Howell just Oh, gained. you're going to bring that up? You're going to bring that up? What was it, fourth and 16? What are you going to bring that up? What I mean by that is that Duke just has to play super tight, and they they can't give up big plays it, it's, it's, because those two big plays, like you saw in the Notre Dame game, were the were the end result. It it is living up to your reputation. Everyone I talk to that that studies Duke, and and actually you heard it earlier. We had Mike Lennon on the show when he talked about Duke. It's it's how well coached they are. It's how disciplined they are. It's how they they, they you know they're always in the right spot and they're well coached. Well, guess what. Better be, yeah. Right, you're two feet to the left or two feet to the right out of the way. 
uh, Florida State will make you pay. Um, but to me, it's a defensive game. It's a defensive game. It's a defensive game. It's a defensive game. Also, Henry Belvin is really going to have to step his game up this week. Last week against State finished 4 of 12 with 107 yards passing, two touchdowns. The, the First of all, the entire game hinges on whether Riley Leonard can play or not. They're expecting likely was the term on Tuesday that Elko used for him to play. If if Belen if Belen has to start, it's a whole other a whole other you can't hide him like you did against NC State yeah. against Florida State. You're gonna you're gonna need him to make plays and not just one double move early in the game and then take the air out of the ball. I, I'm I'm just gonna go into this game with the assumption that Leonard's not going to be playing. Ooh. That, that's just gut me. feeling. Gut feeling. I, it's just one of those things with a high ankle sprain. You you want to make sure he is 100. My gut feeling is he plays. And, again, it's just a gut feeling. This is not an insider or anything. Seeing him walk in the pregame last week, seeing him laugh on the sideline during the game, uh, and then also, you, you know, you mentioned with a, with a high ankle sprain, you want him all the way back. I think that I think they've bought into ACC championship goals. I think they've bought into high goals, and and I think you rush him back to keep those goals alive. If they hadn't bought into that, if they still thought, you know, hey – Eight nine wins would be a huge huge victory for us. And this was last year's Duke. Team. Then I think they protected a little bit and they they hold them back. But I think they're going. I think they're going all out. And you brought up a good point. Yeah, and, and that in that scenario, Leonard has to play with Beeman. But as you mentioned earlier, looking grand scheme of things for Florida State, you're right. If they if they win this game, they have a pretty good shot to Charlotte. Because I mean, after this, they have Wake Forest, Pittsburgh. Miami, North Alabama, Florida, really, and, and, and they would own the tiebreaker against Duke, which correct makes it so. There's, there's, yes, this this game has serious ACC championship implications, and that's why I think, you know, if have you seen the uh, the Brian Brom XFL clip? Yeah, where where you know, oh, you were you were you know knocked unconscious on the field last week. That was six days ago. Or are you ready to go play in the XFL again? And he and he had some. You we do we have it? Uh, oh, you were just pointing at me. Okay, <laughs> we can I, find it. No, that's fine. We we didn't need it. I thought you you like were like I keep this locked and loaded just for this very. Uh, Am I still walking? The, uh, Am I, I still I have here? Two questions for you. I, I I almost have it memorized. It's embarrassing. Uh, I have two questions for you. Do I or do I not have a pulse? Yes, I do. Is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Let's play ball. There and he is. walks away. Run, like, ready like, to run through a brick wall. Now, obviously, head injuries, you want to be careful, and that wouldn't happen nowadays. But for an ankle injury, I feel like Riley Leonard's going to hit him with, I have two questions for you. Does this or does this not help decide whether we win an ACC championship? Yes, it does. Do I do or do I not have a pulse? Yes, I do. See you on the field. Let's play ball. Is this ACC football? We're all in. No, we're all, as the commercials uh, hey, always there say. There you go. On the network. There you go.